going to say that again because you really, you got to grasp what I just said. While I was still dead in sins, Christ died. I said, while I was still dead in sin, Christ died for me. In fact, before I was ever born, Christ died for me. The Bible says we were all born and shaped into iniquity. So when Christ died upon that cross, he thought about me being born. So while I was going to be born and dead in sin, Christ died for me. That's something to be thankful for here today. I'm thankful that Jesus, not only did he come, but he died and he rose again on the third day. Somebody say amen. Turn me, if you will, to Genesis chapter number 4. Amen. Again, I want to say thank you to the Indiana Bible College students that had come out today. Let's give them a hand and thank them for being and worshiping with us here today. Thank you. Amen. I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures here, Genesis 4, and then we're going to go to James 1. James 1, chapter number 12. If you want to stand with me, it would be appropriate to stand. Genesis 4, verse number 8. And Cain talked with Abel. Everybody say, talk with him. Talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field. This escalated really quickly. That Cain rose up against his brother and slew him. So they talked a little while, then it escalated, and then someone died. James chapter number 1. Turn there, if you will. James 1. That's right after Hebrews. James 1, verse number 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Um, I will venture to say that Cain did not endure temptation. Because in Cain's heart was bitterness in Cain's heart was um, jealousy. In Cain's heart was uh, it's things were unfair. In Cain's heart, his heart was full of, of hatred towards his brother. James 1 says, blessed is the man that endureth, endureth those things. Some of you are going through temptation right now in your life. Maybe when you leave here, maybe your thoughts are going someplace it should not go today. You need to endure that temptation for a moment. Because blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. Somebody say amen. I want to receive the crown of life one day. I want to go to heaven. Somebody say amen. I want to walk on streets of gold. So I have to endure some temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. Some of you have felt tried here today. Pastor, if you only knew what I went through just to get here today, or this week, I'm here to tell you there's a crown of life waiting for you if you can just, blessed is the man. For which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. You can't miss out that part of the scripture, which the Lord hath promised. Everybody say promised. It is a promise that if you endure the temptations of this world, that he has a promise for you, that he will love you. Let no man say that he is tempted. I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man. He said, well, God tempts me. No, he doesn't. That's what the Bible says. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his what? His own lust. It's your own fault. I say that with a smile. It's your own fault. When we fall into temptation, 
and when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, the scripture, verse number 12, it started off with, blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. We clapped and we blessed is the man who endured temptation. But the scripture goes on to say, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. You see, temptation is not sin. It's the sin that's sin. It's when you fall into temptation, it becomes sin. Bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Let's put our Bibles down and let's begin to pray and ask the Lord to help us right now. Jesus, everlasting Father, I pray right now. Lord, there are people in this room, God, that are going through temptations. They're going through the trials, perhaps, of their life, and they just can't seem to wiggle out of it. But in our flesh, we can't wiggle out of things. That's why we need the presence of the Almighty God. That's where your presence comes in. And through your gifts, through your power, I can endure the temptation that is ever before me. And I can receive the crown of life. Somebody say amen. God bless you. You're, I was going to say you're dismissed, but don't go anywhere. You may be seated. I've said that before. People look at me. Um, let me just say here today that the word of God is ever settled. The word of God is something that is ever settled for the remainder of our lives until God comes. In fact, I would say his word will always stay regardless if God comes or not. His word is already settled in it. And I had one man I was talking to, and I began to share with him, um, and we were talking about the word of the Lord and how uh, there are certain things that are prophetic in the word of God. But I'm, I've, I've kind of changed my tune on that a little bit. All the word of God is prophetic. Because there are words coming from a what kind of God? An eternal God. And when an eternal God speaks, his word is eternal. So everything that we see in the word of God, it is prophetic in nature that it still speaks today. So a word's on a page that was penned over 2,000 years ago is still alive because his word is eternal. I'm thankful that when I go to the Word of God and he says, when you are faced with a temptation, you can't overcome. I can overcome because it's an eternal word from God. The Bible says that I can overcome by the word of my testimony and the blood of the Lamb. I know where I can turn to because the eternal word says it can happen so I can leave here an overcomer by a little bit of testimony and a little bit of blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Bible says that lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That is not talking about that moment and that moment in time only, but because it's an eternal word and that eternal word still speaks uh, that I can go to that word and I can pray for the sick and watch them recover because the eternal word says it is going to happen. I'm here to tell you today, this word on the page, this book that we have, these chapters, these, these books, this thing called a Bible is just not words that man wrote. It is the words of an eternal God. It is the words of an eternal Savior. And if you reject the words of the eternal Savior, I'm going to get real here just for a moment. When I reject the words of an eternal God and I reject the words of a living God, I'm not rejecting the pastor. I'm not rejecting my friend. I'm rejecting the eternal Savior. 
I learned something Friday night, and it was a good Bible study at men's conference. I, I felt like it was just a good old-fashioned Bible study. The Bible says that the Lord, when he came down, he condemned the world. Why in the world is, did God condemn the world? People would take that out of context. And, I, and, and, and to some point, I did, I did as well, and I, I felt the Lord convict me a little bit. But the Lord teaches us that when his light shows down on this world, the darkness did not know it was darkness until it saw light. There's a reason why when you come in the house of the Lord and the Lord begins to move and the Lord begins to, to shape things, something is birthed when the light of Jesus Christ and our sinful nature come and they collide. It's called conviction. Conviction falls. And all of a sudden I feel like, okay, something's not right, and so we withdraw from that moment. The Bible, But the Bible teaches us to taste and see that the Lord, he is good. So when I feel as though that something in my spirit has convicted me, and God, I feel a little awkward, I feel something in my spirit, because God is, is showing me some things. He's not doing that to condemn me. He's bringing conviction so he can save me. He's bringing conviction so he can save me in my life. At the same time when conviction is birthed, when God came down in flesh, mercy was birthed at the same time. I'm thankful for the convicting power of God that draws me close to him, but when I draw close to him, mercy is birthed in that moment. And in my sins, I walk to the Lord, and grace and mercy will follow me all the days. Why? Because it's eternal God speaking an eternal word that is alive here today. And when I am tempted and I am tried, the word of God says I can be blessed because if I endure, I can receive a crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. I believe that you would not be here if you did not love the Lord. If you love the Lord, say amen. Maybe you were here because somebody invited you. But really, if you did not really have any, uh, any thought of, of turning to the Lord, or maybe you didn't have any thought of, of really anything about God, let me tell you today, I serve a living, righteous, holy, blessed God. I serve a God that sticketh closer than a brother. I serve a God that hears me when I call upon him. I serve a God that when I bow down my knees and I find myself repentant to him, he will not turn away from me. He is a God that will look down upon my sin and say, Brother, I believe you, I trust you, and I'm going to forgive you, and I want to fill you with my presence. The Bible records Many times over where the Lord began to forgive, where the Lord began to speak because blood was shed. Some people do not like it when somebody's sins are forgiven because we don't think that God, we put ourselves in the place of God and say, God, how can you forgive that soul? How can you forgive that person? How can you do that? Don't you know what they have done? The Lord says, yeah, I know what they did, and out of this is going to be a testimony of my goodness and my glory. But we put ourselves in a seat of judgment over somebody else. We put ourselves in a seat of judgment. But I am so thankful. When you have your sins are washed away, and when the old man is washed away and old things become new, I can sit here and stand here and rejoice and say, when I was still dead in sins, Christ died for me. And his blood does not just speak for me, but is alive because he's an eternal God. His blood still speaks forevermore. Blood, I believe that the blood still has power today. 
the blood that God shed manifests in the flesh. That wasn't just a carpenter on a cross. That wasn't just a prophet. That wasn't just a rabbi or even a good teacher or even a miracle worker that was just on the cross. That was God who robed himself in flesh and died for humankind and died for you and I because when nothing else could help, I said, when nothing else could help, when no flesh could die and do what God did, God said, I got to do something. I got to come down to this place. I got to robe myself in flesh, come upon them and die for them because I am the perfect sacrifice that could give away or forgive man's sin. Because nothing else could help. See, the Old Testament, starting with Adam and Eve, they were in the garden. They had the purpose of a sacrifice. A lamb was slain for the forgiving of their sins. We find in Genesis chapter number 4, Cain and Abel, they both brought a separate sacrifice. Cain was a tiller of the field. He brought his vegetables, if you will, his crops to be, to be a sacrifice unto the Lord. But Abel had a different sacrifice because he learned something from mommy and daddy. Let me tell you, young people and, and folks that are in there, there's some things you can learn from your mom and dad. There are some things that, that they did that, that we can't, don't condemn those things uh, just all of a sudden. Well, that doesn't make much sense. You be very careful what you try to tread upon, upon your mom and dad about what they believe in God. Be careful what you tread upon. So Adam and Eve begin to instruct them, no doubt, that, that Cain and Abel should bring a proper sacrifice for forgiveness. And we find that this moment in time when, when Cain and Abel had a conversation, because you see, Abel's sacrifice was, was accepted by God, but Cain's sacrifice was not accepted by God. And what I find very interesting in Scripture, we leave that Scripture and we leave the story right there, but don't you know the Lord gave Cain an opportunity? You see, when I don't do things right, God still extends grace and mercy to me. When sometimes I, don't, I come to the house of the Lord and I have a bad attitude and I'll worship, I'll, I, I, I'll do what I feel like everybody wants me to do, but sometimes things just agitate me. Thank you, Tommy, for being honest. Some things just get under our skin, and it's a hard time coming to the Lord. Somebody say amen. Sometimes you got to push back that flesh a little bit. And when I know that my worship is empty, the Lord says, you know what? Let's try this again. I'm thankful for the mercy of God. I'm thankful for the grace of God that sees me. When I don't get it right the first time, he'll come to me and say, I still love you. I still want you to call upon my name. I will still extend mercy. I'm thankful that God extends mercy and calls my name even when I don't get it right. But we find Cain did not receive the bidding and calling of God. God gave Cain an opportunity, but Cain still did not receive or cave, if you will, to that opportunity. So he had this conversation with Abel. And in that conversation, who knows what was said, but I know what it's like to have a, a brother that's a little bit older than me. I know it's like our conversations. I remember many times in the yard, basketball got hot and heavy and things were not going my brother's way. Or things may have not been going my way. And, and we could never play on the same team and we could never really play on opposite teams because we were at each other's throat. He, I thought he shot too much and he thought I shot too much and I thought he wouldn't pass the ball, and he thought I didn't pass the ball. There's many times in the, in the driveway we would play and be all these games, and all of a sudden things got out of hand. 
Things got a little bit rough. Things got a little bit tough. And that talk began to begin shoving match. And that shoving match began to somebody ducking a punch. I remember one day, we and my brother and I, we were at it, man. We were so, we were 11 months apart. And, and he, he's bigger and stronger than me. He could whoop me any day of the week. And uh, he, we were out in the yard. I don't know even remember what it was about. And it was, it was about throwdown time. And I think we were, had actually boxing gloves on at the time, and, and two teenage boys with boxing gloves, something's going to get out of hand. So we began, to, we began to fight, we began to play around a little bit, and somebody got a nice shot that other persons wasn't expecting. And my older brother, he got pretty upset about that, and, and the gloves came off. And I remember mom yelling at the dad, and dad, you probably remember this, it was, it's on, uh, I forgot the name of the street, but and mom was like, Get out there, the boys are throwing down. They're, they're throwing fists at one another. Dad said, let them duke it out. <laughs> Whatever you do, boys, you're going to school tomorrow no matter how you look. I think one of us went with a fat lip and the other one with a black eye. But that moment in time, and I'll never forget that because the application that I've learned from that is that moment of temptation to throw down. That moment of temptation, I've learned to temper that now. I have learned to withdraw myself when I have my temper flare. And I, the Lord has helped me deeply with that. And, and, but but the, the, in that moment, I was, we were so entranced and so enthralled with the temptation of rage, the, the, enthralled with the idea that I'm going to whoop my brother no matter what he says, no matter what he does. And we threw down and we went to school the next day with a black eye and a fat lip. There was a lot more swinging than landing, I tell you that. But what happens to us? Cain and Abel were in this moment. They started with a little bit of talk, but there was something that was a wedge between them. One had been forgiven, but the other one had not been forgiven. One had, had received the grace and the eyes of the Lord. One had received mercy. One, his offering was, was given, uh, accepted by the Lord. But the other one did not like and did not like the fact that he felt like God was uh, unjustly judging him. And they began to throw down, if you will. And in that moment, that conception of bitterness, that conception of hurt, that conception of, of jealousy, it bred into something. He fell into temptation. And when temptation, when he fell into that place, it became sin. And the, one, of the, one of the greatest laws of the commandments, God, we find in Scripture that he killed his brother. Sin is knocking at your door. I said sin is ever knocking at your door. Because the goal of the devil, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Ladies and gentlemen, there is opposite ends of the spectrum here today. It's up, up to us to say, yeah, I see the temptation coming, but I'm going to endure it. And I'm going to go to the throne of grace and say, God, I don't have the means or the ability to overcome this. But I know in your word because your word is eternal. And your word says I can endure temptation. Your word says when I am tried, I receive the crown of life. And you love me in the midst of temptation. The blood of God still has that same power. You see, people confuse the house of God and confuse God because there is a 
a pendulum that swings one way or another. And you can take the word of God out of context and say, well, God's a, a vengeful and hateful God. God. God doesn't love really anybody because he's saying you're going to go to hell. And if you don't receive him, well, that is right. But you have the choice to do what the word of God says to do. It's up to you. God is a gentleman. He will not put himself on you without your permission. But he will say, when you do receive me and you do call upon me, then I will be the God of all heaven. I will take all the authority and all the power that I have and give it right back to you. Well, you're saying, Pastor, when I give everything to God and I surrender myself to the Lord and I say, God, I can't do it. I've made a mess of my life. I've made a mess of my situation. But I'm going to give you a try and I'm going to give everything I have to you. The Lord takes the weight of his glory and the weight of his goodness and begins to deliver blessings to us that we cannot contain. Why? What does he do? He washes my washes away my sin in baptism. He begins to fill me with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost in that same shame, that same guilt, that shame jealousy, it is removed from my life because I surrender my life for a life of blessing unto the Lord. Romans chapter number 8, verse number 3, what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh. Everybody say through the flesh. There's a reason why the Lord had to come. Because a perfect Savior had to come. Because a lamb couldn't do what he was going to do. I said an, a, a, a goat or a lamb would not, was not going to be sufficient for what the Lord had prepared for humankind. He, the Lord loved us so much that he, he robed himself in flesh, presented himself as us. And he came to this earth and he died and put himself on the cross. You see, God of all heaven, he put himself, humbled himself in that flesh. He did not have to stay on that cross. I said he did not have to stay on that cross. He could have got up off that cross and say, yeah, I got you, April Fool's, this ain't going to happen. He, he could have got up and said, nope, I'm sorry, we're not going to do it this way. And he could, have, he could have condemned everybody to hell for trying to kill him. But no, he said, I have to fulfill my eternal word. He said, I've set things in order all the way to Genesis chapter number. I've set things in order with Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel, and I'm here to fulfill the law of the eternal word that I have presented. So he could not err in what his word is said because his word is eternal. Isaiah 53, 3 says, Isaiah, Isaiah he called a, called a vision of the Lord. He said, he is despised and rejected of men. He is a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our face from him. He was despised. We esteemed him not. Surely he was born our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Now notice that smitten of God. It wasn't just men that could kill Jesus. That was in his own purpose, in his own plan that he had already preordained. It was not. It would just so happen that those men were there that killed the Lord. But the Lord laid himself like a lamb upon the cross and he was the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world ladies and gentlemen we don't serve a, a vengeful god we don't serve, we serve a loving god who will lay down his own life for a mortal man like myself i don't know about you but it's humbling to know that an eternal awesome powerful god would come down and forgive me I said he would forgive me. 
and forgive me of my sins. He would forgive me of my wrongdoings and forgive me of my trespasses. But oh, I'm glad that I didn't stay in those sins. I'm glad I didn't stay in the error of my ways. But I received the goodness and the mercy of Jesus Christ. I like it. Let's turn to Isaiah 53 real quick. My notes do not articulate it the way I want to through the word of God. Because I want us to notice something in scripture here today. That we notice that, let's start at verse number 1 in Isaiah 53. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord for revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form no comeliness, talking about the Lord. And when, when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Isaiah, this was like six or seven hundred years before the Lord was going to walk the grace, this earth with his presence uh, in, in the flesh. But he was saying, there is no beauty that we will desire him. He is despised and rejected of men. This is the past tense. And men, man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid it as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath lifted away or borne our sicknesses and griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But, everybody say, but. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are. Everybody say, are. We are healed. What do you say? That was written, I don't know, 2,600 years ago. That was written a long time ago. But like I said, this is the eternal word of God. And when he speak it once, that's all you got to have. That's all I have to know is that by his wounds and by his bruises and by his stripes, I am healed. Past tense. Only the word of God can speak the prophetic in past tense. I said only the word of God can speak something is going to happen and put it in past tense. Because I serve a God that can move to the future and can move to the past. He can step into my future and prepare a way. But also he can go into my past of the things that I have done wrong. And he says forget about these sins because I have stepped into your past. Because my blood still speaks to your future but it can speak to your past. So the word of God in its eternal nature is the only words that can speak in the future in a past tense because it's an eternal God. I said he's an eternal God. He's a lovely God. I can't, I can't tell you what's going to happen to you in the future and talk about it in a past tense, but God can. I can't say by my stripes you are healed because in me is mortal flesh and my words won't go past that door if somebody doesn't pick them up and repeat them. But I will tell you, when God speaks, it doesn't matter if somebody repeats it or not, his word is forever settled and is the eternal word of God and it will be made manifest. So when Isaiah was preaching and Isaiah was talking, he was speaking as though it already happened. When we pray, we can pray as though it already happened. 
When I lay hands on the sick, I say, you will be recovered. In fact, you're already healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? I can speak the word of God because I can step into the future by, uh, 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 by uh, uh, connecting with the word of God, but also speak it to it in past tense. So when sin and the devil comes against me and the devil raises up his ugly head and tries to put me down and put me into temptation, I can go back to the word of God and say, you know what? I know what your end is. It was written over 2,000 years ago, what's going to happen to you in your future? Ladies and gentlemen, the eternal word of God, we can speak it as though it already is. I don't know about you here today. I don't know anybody else on this earth that can speak to my past and my present at the very same time. Hmm. I don't know anybody else that can look into my life and with one touch of his finger, one breath from his nostrils, one, one breath into my life, one, one, one move of his spirit, he can make all things new. Just one touch of the almighty God, just one touch from him, he steps into my past, he meets me in my present, and he protects my future. Why? Because the blood still works. Because his word still works and his power is here today. I feel the presence of the Lord here today. I wonder if somebody will allow access to the Lord into your past. Will you allow access to the Lord in your present? Will you allow access to the Lord in your future here today? Oh, God. I don't know what my future holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. We're going to have to move out of this building pretty soon. I don't know where we're going to be. I'm not a prophet nor a son of a prophet. But I know what the word of God says. And the God says that he will always provide. I know what the Lord says. He is my keeper in the ever-present time of need. That means if I step into the word of God, he will step into my future. I could not plan how to build this church, but I know who can plan how to build this church. I don't know how to plan my life. I don't know how God's going to work it out. I don't know how God's going to uh, treat me when I'm 50. I'm not close, but I don't know how, how, how God's going to be at, at five, ten years down the road, but I know what he is right now. And if I walk hand in hand with Jesus, I know everything was going to be okay because I serve an eternal God. The eternal word. I don't want to leave here with just empty words in my spirit. I want the eternal God to breathe the breath of life into me. When he died upon a cross and he rose again on the third day, something happened. Something happened when he was in that grave. He took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And we can say, oh, death, where is thy victory? Grave, where is your victory? Where, 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 where are you at now? Because now I step into a, re, a, re, a resurrected God. I stepped into a God that has all keys and all power to everything. That when death is knocking at my door, I can say, you know what? That's okay, death. I see you there, but I'm not going to fall into temptation of being depressed because I have a builder and maker, and his name is Jesus. And the Bible says he has gone on to prepare a place for me and that he is waiting for me to get there. It doesn't matter what your temptation is. It doesn't matter what's in front of you. I have a word, an eternal word of God for it. When I'm sick, he's my healer. 
When I've fallen in sin, he's my savior. When I don't have a daddy, he's my father. When I don't have a lawyer, he can become my lawyer. When I don't have a, any way to carry my load, those what, the songs say, he's my heavy load. Share I don't care who or what you're going through, and I'm not trying to be insensitive here today, but I know that I have one answer, and it's fulfilled in one name because it's an eternal name. It's a powerful name, and his name is Jesus. Let me tell you about how the, the Word of God speaks to our past, our, our present, and our future, future at the same time. Why do we ask God to forgive us of our sins? We do that because we want to deny this old man and say, the old thing doesn't work anymore. God, forgive me of my sins. So God takes us from that present. But guess what? God forgives us of that present. But when I go down in the name of Jesus, the Bible says he throws my sins as far as the east is from the west. He takes care of my past. But when I am filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, by the evidence of speaking in tongues, I begin to walk in my future in a newness of life. God speaks to my present my past, and my future through the power of the revelation of the cross. And because it's an eternal word, because the word of God is powerful, and it speaks for all kind and for all time, it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you're at, doesn't matter what you're going through, that eternal word can speak to you. I said he can speak to you. A musician comes. Musicians come, you can come. Let me tell you today, there are people in this room that have engaged the presence of God and you no longer have cancer. There are people in this room that God has taken those old emotions of hurt, sadness, depression, and God has healed that. There are people in this room, and I know you'll say amen, that were once bound with addiction, but God stepped into your present and stepped into your past and said, now you're going to walk in a newness of life. You're not going to be bound by the same addictions that you were bound by. Somebody say amen. The Lord took the children of Israel he took them out of bondage. He took them out of bondage. He took them through a baptism, if you will, of the Red Sea. And then he gave them something for their future, a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. I'm here to tell you today, it doesn't matter if your whole family's in bondage or it's just you. God is going to make a way where it seemeth to be no way. I don't know how he does it. I just know he does. And I'm here to tell you today, there are people in this room that will bear witness of the majesty and the glory of God. I see Jonathan sitting right here. He was reunited with his kids last week. I'm telling you, God is good. circumstances. I just know God goes before me. And when I submit my life to him, he, he works things out. 
We have people that have been in prison in this room. We have people that have, 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 have been in prison in their own mind. And you're bound by the choices that you made through depression. And you're in James 1. You're in a James 1 moment. says, please let, James, let no man be tempted, saying, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away with his own lust, and at times, so when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death, do not err, my beloved brethren, but he said, blessed is the man who endureth the temptation. Blessed is the man that endureth. I don't know how the Lord does it, but I do know one thing. He is rich in mercy. Let me be the first to say, the way I started this message is the way I'm going to end this message. Yes, I'm a pastor. I'm 43 years of age, and I do not have all the answers. But when I get up to pray in the mornings, one of the first things I want to say is, forgive me, God. Forgive me, God. Let me be found righteous before you. Let me have favor in your sight today. And what I want to do, I want to activate the Holy Ghost to walk before me. And I want God to get the, get, the, get the devil off my tail, if you will, and tell him I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to want grace and mercy to follow me all the days of my life. I don't need a devil bothering me. I don't want to give him any credit. I don't want to give him any, any avenue or anything that, that he can cause me to fall into temptation. So I say, God, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. Because sometimes, yes, even the pastor, I get up on the wrong side of the bed. I got a 100-pound dog that likes to sleep on my bed. Sometimes I want him to wake up on the wrong side of the bed. Sometimes the morning just doesn't go right. Sometimes I'm not feeling well. Sometimes, but oh, I still need a merciful God. And I want him to go before me. Even when my flesh wants to deny me, I want to reach out to a, a loving Savior. I want to reach out to an eternal God that will walk before me. Not only will speak to my past, speak to my present, but I serve an eternal God that goes before me. Let's stand in this room right now. Maybe you're just enduring temptation right now. There are some things that you're struggling with. You don't know how you're going to get out of it. I'm here to tell you today that sin lies at the door. But guess so? Guess what? There's somebody else knocking at the door of your heart. Let me come in. Let me forgive you. Let me minister to you. Let me help you. Because the blood that I shed, it still works. He's saying, my blood that I shed on the cross, it still works. It still works. 
I said it still works. It still works. While I was still dead in sin, Christ died for me. How can he do that 2,000 years ago? 